Amen. Beautiful Sunday. I just want to say this. I don't think anybody's leaving. I don't know if anybody's leaving today or not. But if at any time any child needs a good, you know, motherly TLC downstairs, uh, just take them down and you, and you can do as you choose. You have the entire basement. So you can, you can roam around. You can punish them. You know, make them do wall sits. Um, whatever you got to do, just take them downstairs, outside. Whatever you got to do, uh, you're fine to do. Um, we do permit that. No, but in all seriousness, what a great day. Beautiful Mother's Day. It's not raining. It's, you know, it's not snowing. Um, it, could be, it could always be worse. So I just want to go. We're in our series through the book of Romans right now. And if you remember last week, we opened this up and we read verses 1 through 17. We kind of discussed the three big things that Paul's going to do throughout this letter that we're going to read each and every week and we're going to dig into, and it's going to be covered from, from week to week. And we're going to be in this book that Paul wrote to the Christians in Rome over the next few months as we dig into one of the most profound, beautiful writings ever recorded by man and we are now going into verses 18 through 32 of chapter 1. If you were here last week, I, I encourage those who were here last week to go and to read verses 18 through 32 and to tell me that it doesn't sound like today. Just, you know, um, prove me wrong or change my mind if, if, uh, if this particular passage of Scripture that we're going to read together does not parallel the day in which we live. And what we're going to do is I'm going to read to you verses 18 through 32. We're going to read them together. We're going to dig through these. We're going to look at a few parallels from today's world and in Paul's world. And then we're going to look at a few conclusions that we came to. And then we're going to look at a few uh, quotes or formulas that have been written about this particular passage of Scripture by numerous people. I will just tell you this, that we could stay in this passage of Scripture probably for the rest of summer. I mean, if we didn't move along here and, and want to try to get through the entire book of Romans, we could say in these 14, 15 verses for the rest of summer and really dig into. Um, you know, I, I will say on Mother's Day, they always say Mother's Day is the uh, day in which the most phone calls are made throughout the world, the most phone calls. And, you know, if we really want to dig deep, and I'm not trying to get too controversial here or, or too, you know, too crazy on this beautiful Sunday, but um, if we want to go back a few thousand years, um, we can thank the very first mother of all for all of this, right? I mean, we can thank Eve for eating from that tree and now we live in the beautiful consequences of this broken, sinful world, all from the very first mother. So thank you, mothers, for all that you do. Um, that didn't go over very well. You know, I was thinking that would really hit and, and all the guys would get a kick out of that, that we could thank the very first mother for all this madness that we live in, but we'll just move along, forget that happened. Bruce cut that, Bruce isn't here to cut that out. Um, anyways, as I was saying, Romans chapter one, verse 18 for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. I want you to underline or circle that three word phrase, suppress the truth. And there's going to be a reason we're going to get there in just a minute. For what can be known about God is plain to them. So there's stuff that these people knew. There's stuff that we know today that has been made plain to them, made known and made plain to them. Because God has shown it to them for his, for his invisible attributes, <clears throat> namely his eternal power and divine nature, 
have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. So they are without excuse. He's talking about the people who knew about God. They knew God. They know God is true. And they've been able to prove God since the beginning of creation. And they have no excuse for their ungodliness and unrighteousness because they know enough to know what is right. They know what is wrong. Let's move on. <clears throat> for although they knew God, they did not honor as God, him as God or give thanks to him. <clears throat> but became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fu- fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. Therefore, God gave them up in the lust of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves. Because they exchanged the truth about God. Here we go. The truth again, they exchanged. So, so first Paul says that they suppressed the truth. Now Paul is saying they have exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason, God gave them up to dishonorable passions For their women exchanged natural relations for those that are contrary to nature. And the men likewise gave up natural relations with women and were consumed with passion for one another. Men committing shameless acts with men and receiving in themselves the due penalty for their error. And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. They were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice. They were full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. They are gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. Man. Paul got dark (laughs) right out of the gate. Though they knew God's righteous decree that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them, but give approval to those who practice them. And as I said last week, and as I repeat today, you see a lot of parallels from this day and age that Paul was writing in to our land here in 2022. So there's a few conclusions that we can make whenever we read this, you know, and you don't have to go very far into the Bible to read that people were really messed up, that sinful people do sinful things, and that when sin entered the world, disorder, death, all came in and this disorder of replacing God's truth with lies and doing what was opposed to God has been part of mankind's nature since sin entered the world. And we are reading about this thousands of years after the garden. And here we are an extra 2000 or so years post resurrection. And we are still seeing the same thing. So there's a few conclusions I want to make. I want to share before we go any further. First is this, since sin entered the world, people as a whole, not you individually may not be all this messed up, but people as a whole have been sinful. It's pretty fair to make that conclusion. And what that means is there there has been no generation exempt from sin. 
There has not been any generation, there has not been any person other than Jesus that has been exempt from sin. There are better people than others, and there are better sinners than others, or lighter sinners than others, but each and every person in this place, each and every person that will come here next Sunday, and then three years from now, and 33 years from now, will be a sinful person by nature that needs to be forgiven and set free from their sin. There has not been one person or one generation other than Jesus himself that's been exempt from it. Secondly, people choose to live in unrighteousness. People choose to live in unrighteousness. This is where we can kind of get a little personal, but I don't want to get too personal too quickly unless you want to make it personal or I'm not attacking you, but you choose for the most part to live in the sinfulness that that you live in. I choose to live in the sinfulness that I have. I can't blame it on other people. If addiction is your problem, you can't blame it on other people. I mean, there may have been factors that have led to it, or you may have been weakened, or you may have been impacted by other things. But there comes a point in time where we have to step up and say that the adultery was caused by you. Not, didn't just fall into it. The idolatry was caused by you. The addiction was lived out by you. The greed is possessed by you. The gossiping comes from your mouth. There's got to be a time where you and I have to take responsibility for the fact that we choose at times to live in unrighteousness. And all people, those people that blame everything on everyone else, have to take responsibility. And those are the people that will oftentimes never truly surrender themselves to the Lord because they don't believe in themselves that they are really that bad. They're just doing what everyone else is doing. Or if these things didn't happen or this way didn't happen, if I didn't have, there's got to be a time where we must recognize that we choose to live in unrighteousness. Third conclusion is this, God's righteous wrath or anger, punishment, will be satisfied for all of eternity. And here's the deal. For those living in ungodliness and those living in godliness. For the believer who is living in godliness or pursuing holiness and righteousness, living covered by the blood of Jesus Christ, those who have been following Jesus for a week or 33 years or 100 years, regardless of how long we've been following Jesus, the wrath of God has been satisfied on our behalf through the cross of Christ. For the unbeliever, for the one that rejects God, the one that rejects the gospel of Jesus Christ, the one that rejects the foundation of the cross being the foundation of our faith, for those people, the, the wrath of God, the righteous anger of a holy and a righteous and a perfect God will be satisfied as those people are sentenced to hell for eternity. And they will be separated from their Father in heaven for all of eternity. So the righteous, the the righteous anger or the righteous wrath of our God in heaven, our Father in heaven, it will be satisfied. So if you are a believer here today, you can rejoice in your faith in Christ because Christ endured the fullness of God's righteous anger on your behalf. If you are a non-believer here today, I plead with you to repent of your sin and call upon the name of Jesus Christ as Lord. Because if you do not, if you thought it was hot in here, This is nothing. Somebody told me to say that if the, if the church was hot. If you think it's hot in here, well, just wait. It's going to get even worse one day. But I don't know how it's going to look. We don't know exactly how heaven or hell will really look or how it will operate. But I do know that if you do not repent of your sin and call upon the name of Jesus Christ and are washed in his blood and following him, if you, if you choose to reject the gospel of Jesus then I promise you, you will pay for the eternal punishment of your sin. 
And I promise you, you will be the one responsible to pay the consequences for you choosing to live in unrighteousness and ungodliness. Fourth conclusion, and we see it here at the very end of this chapter, whenever we read that those that those that know the righteous decree of the Lord not only do these things, but they approve of others who practice them. Here's what the fourth conclusion is. People become experts and very crafty with various forms of evil. People over time become very crafty and evil. We become, people as a whole become very, you know, they're, they're experts in doing evil things. And they, they almost portray evil as acceptable, tolerable, or the norm. And they try to persuade as many people to not see the pure evil at the root of lifestyles or ways of living or choices, political decisions, when really evil is evil. And what happens is if we aren't careful due to the expertise of people in evil situations and the craftiness of the devil himself infiltrating people and influencing people, what we will find is that we will actually be calling good things evil and evil things good and not even know it because of the craftiness of people doing people's things, which is sin. Five is this, and then we'll move on to something else. Unrighteous lifestyles and Social movements come as a result of people suppressing the truth and exchanging the truth. And here is, here is why I say that. If you remember John chapter 14, verse 6, Jesus told Thomas, and he told his disciples what? He says, for I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. Whenever we live in a world or we see in Paul's day that people were suppressing the truth or they were exchanging the truth for a lie, we find that, and you will see it in today's world for sure, that truth is no longer absolute in the Lord. If you and I are Christians, the truth of all existence is rooted in the Lord Jesus Christ. But if we are not careful, what we will do is we will find ourselves living in a culture where truth is subjective to you, to where my truth may be my truth and your truth is your truth, but it's no longer the absolute truth of the Lord. So people in all areas will choose to live however they want because the truth of life and life's existence is subjective to them. So you cannot correct them. You cannot confront them because the truth to them is their own personal truth rather than the absolute truth that is founded in God's word. So you and I as Christians must build our lives in every area of our life on the absolute truth of the Lord. So we cannot look at any way of living that contradicts this book. If we choose to live that contradicts God's word, we have suppressed or exchanged the truth. And, and here's what we see. We have replaced absolute truth in Christ with personal truths. And we have replaced sound biblical doctrine that dictates how we live with teaching, progressive teachings founded on our emotion or our experience. So we have what we can see in this day and age of Paul's day and age that parallels today's day and age is that people as a whole have a very difficult time building, and found, building a foundation of every aspect of their life upon God's word. Because we know more or we 
think we are intellectually advanced to the point where we know what the best way of life is. And here's what we have to find ourselves understanding that if we choose to live in lifestyles or if we choose to define any way of living, whether that be our marriages, whether that be our families, whether that be our workplaces, whether that be any area of life, if we find our area of life, if we define our marriage by anything other than God's word, it's sin. If we define the way that we love our neighbors other than God's word, any other way, it's sin. If we define anything in this life that contradicts God's word, it is sinfulness and it is unrighteousness and ungodliness. And what Paul said was this, those who know God's righteous decree that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them, he says, but they approve of them to those who practice. So we see a lot of parallels in today's world that we live in with the people that Paul lived with, with the people that Sodom and Gomorrah possessed, with the people that Noah lived around, all the way back to the beginning of time as sin entered the world. Here's what sin has been wanting to do. Here's what the devil has been wanting to do to you. He knows that if he can if he can cause you to suppress the truth of God's word and God's way and live in any other way that he will still kill and destroy. If he can guide you or influence you in in a way to exchange the truth of God's word or God's way, then he will still kill and destroy. So here's what I want to, I want to just cover a few quotes. One by G.K. Chesterton once said, when people stop believing in God, we don't believe in nothing, we'll believe in anything. So if you and I are not careful building our lives upon God's word and God's way, then we will almost believe anything as the means of truth. If the, if the truth of the Lord is not the foundation of her life, then we will use anything as a foundation. John Calvin once called the human heart an idol factory. And I, and I read this because I want to share this formula that a professor from Ozark Christian College once gave as to the five steps of mankind whenever it goes from living in godliness and righteousness to finding themselves in ungodliness and unrighteousness. And I just want to read these five steps. First, people replace God or idolatry. People choose to worship or they choose to follow or they choose to love or they choose to exhaust their resources on anything or everything other than the Lord. What happened next is God judges people. And the way that he judges the people that Paul is talking about and maybe the way that he is judging us in today's world is that he gives people over to their own dishonorable passions. So whenever we're wondering, why are we living in such a mad world right now? Why are we living in so much chaos? Why is there so much tension? Why is there so much strife? It's probably because for generations now, people have been wanting to live as they have wanted to live. And we are living in the consequences of that. We are living in the righteous anger of our God by seeing so much chaos break out all over the world. So people replace God. God judges those people. Third, people's minds stop working. Some of y'all are married to those types of people, right? Their minds stop working. You have to think for them. You have to decide what's for dinner for them. You have to figure out what they're wearing. But here's what I want you to know. If you find yourself right now living in sin, your mind is not thinking very clearly. Because what you are going to do is you are going to exchange the truth of God's word for a lie and believe that anything other than God's word or God's spirit can empower you or satisfy you. 
You will, you will suppress the truth of God's word and, and you will suppress it in such a way that you will find any other way of living to be your satisfaction, to be your joy, or to bring you life. So people's minds stop working. People living in addiction aren't thinking clearly. People living in adultery aren't thinking clearly. People who are living and chasing the wind in every other way of life other than God's way are not thinking clearly. Fourth, people do evil things. And lastly, in this five-step formula, people celebrate evil. People celebrate evil. So I share all of this with you to go to one word that Professor DeFazio shares, as John Calvin quoted, that you'll see at the very first step, people replace God. Idolatry is the result of people that go from godliness or, or righteousness to ungodliness and unrighteousness. And what happens is idolatry breeds immorality. Idolatry breeds immorality. So why I say that is if you are here and you are chasing anything other than the Lord, you're going to be chasing the wind. You're never going to catch it. If you are building your life or if you are defining areas of your life that are not rooted in God's word and contradict this big book, then you are finding yourself living in defining by unrighteousness, worldliness, or ungodliness. You and I must in every area, my wife and my four daughters must define every area of our life by God's Word. I must, live, I must live every area of my life by God's word. And if I don't, what happens is I might suppress the truth of God. I might exchange the truth of God's word for a lie. And I might find myself manipulating areas of my life to fit how I want them to go, or I want to live how I want to live. And here's the result of people that choose to pursue other things other than the Lord. If you go back to Romans chapter one, you will see that this is what people are full of. This is what people are full of that choose to suppress the truth of God or exchange the truth of God's word with lies. Here's what people are full of. They're full of envy. No, they're full of evil, covetousness, malice, envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. They're full of gossip. They're slanderers. They're haters of God. They're insolent. They're haughty. They're boastful. They're inventors of evil. They're disobedient to parents. They're foolish. They're faithless. They're heartless and they're ruthless. These are people that have chosen to worship or to follow other things than God. These are people that have chosen to follow money. These are people that have chosen to follow political figures. These are people that have chosen to follow their neighbor's you know, ideologies or philosophy. These are people that are swayed by, by you know, news anchors or, or, or people all over the world that tell them this is how things should go or this is how you should live. Here, here's what I want us to do. We just have to ensure that you and I are building every area of our life upon God's word to ensure that we are living in righteousness in all ways. So that you can leave here ensuring that you are, as a family, establishing an atmosphere in which your children will grow up in holiness and righteousness, knowing that they are to worship the Lord above all things. That, God's un, that his righteous anger will be satisfied. And if we aren't careful, that satisfaction will be on the, it will result in them being eternally punished for their sin and eternally separated from their father in heaven. And what we have to ensure as people and as a church is that everything that we do is founded upon the word of God. That it, 
Jesus as the way, the truth, and the life literally is the foundation, not just of our faith, but he's the foundation or the definition of our marriage. He's the foundation and the definition of our parenting. He's the foundation and the definition of our workplace or our love for our neighbors who those who, who aren't so kind to us or those who aren't so polite to us. The way that we forgive, the way that we spend our money, the way that we steward all aspects of our life. So if you remember, Jesus said something about this. After Jesus preached the Sermon on the Mount, do you remember Jesus said, those that hear these words and do them will be like the wise man that built his house upon the what? The rock. And the winds came and the, and the winds blew and the waves were crashing in, but his house was able to stand. But the foolish man who does not take these words of the Lord and obey them and apply them will be like the foolish man. And the foolish man was the man that built his house upon what? Sand. So when the winds came and the, and the storms blew, his house crumbled. His house crumbled. So this is what Paul says to kind of mirror those words from Jesus after he preached his Sermon on the Mount. In Romans chapter 1, verse 22, Paul says that claiming to be wise, they became fools. Here's what happens when you and I try to substitute God's word or God's way in any area of our life. Not only are we full of one of or many of these things listed, but we who think we are wise are actually just fools. And here's what I want you to know. If you are trying to live any other way than God's word or God's way, you are living in foolishness and you're going to find yourself never satisfied, chasing the wind and wondering why everything's happening. You will never be your, because the thing is that Jesus said, the one who builds his house on the rock, the one who builds his house on the sand, they both endured the same storm. So you and I are going to go through the same things. We're going to face the same things. But if we aren't careful, we will exchange the truth of God's word and God's way and live in sinfulness, live in unrighteousness and, and live in idolatry. And our idolatry chasing this or following that will breed immorality and immorality will breed. And then the next generation of, of people in my family, if we aren't careful, who, who live in idolatry and pursue other things other than the righteousness and the, and the godliness that we ought to live in, will breed even more immorality. And what will happen over time is that gr even greater forms of evil will be created than what we see today. Even worse things of evil, because people as a whole are experts and very crafty in forming evil. So what I want you to do is to ensure that you are a person who is not going to endure the wrath of God for eternity, though some of God's righteous anger is being poured out upon us as people in 2022 because of the decisions and the immoralities that have been lived out for years and years and years. But what I want you to do is not live here or leave here living as a fool. What I want you to do is live here truly surrendering your heart in every area of your life to the Lord and building and defining and breathe or, you know, building and defining every area of your life according to God's word. That's my hope. That's my goal for you. That, that is what Paul is seeing in these people that they became fools over time because they thought they knew better. They didn't need God. They were pretty wise. They were intellectual beings. They were given dominion. And what happens is wise people became fools 
So what I hope for you and what I pray for you and what I pray for myself is that you and I would always remain humble and hungry for the Lord so that we aren't those wise people that become fools, living in unrighteousness, living in ungodliness, finding ourselves one day to, to feel and to be the result of that satisfaction from God's wrath as we are separated from him for all of eternity. So kind of like a mom may have told you, or maybe a grandmother may have told you, or a mother figure may have told you, you need to get your rear end in church. Maybe that's what you need to hear today, to get your rear end in church and to surrender yourself to the Lord and to pursue godliness and, and righteousness so that you aren't living as a fool and every bad things that come your way, any bad thing that comes or any painful thing that comes, it just destroys the house and it just breaks your spirit and you can't get up in the mornings and you have no purpose or no motivation anymore. What I want you to do is be the wise man that built his house upon the what? The solid rock, the Lord Jesus Christ as the way, as the truth and as the life so that you and I can endure all things, that we can even see the, the righteous anger of God being poured out upon people all over the world in various ways. And we can endure that because we know, we have the assurance of one day we will be in his presence forever and ever and ever because the cross of Christ is the foundation of our faith, but also the finishing work of my part being paid and my wrath that God should have given to me being satisfied on the cross where Jesus carried my sin. Let us pray. And here's what I'll do. As you